I belong to the David Buttrick fan club. David, teacher, mentor, friend to all sorts of clerical folks, called himself a quasi-semi-backsliding Presbyterian. He couldn't stand the traditional Presbyterian church, so he started his own. He taught for many years at Vanderbilt Divinity School in Nashville. He died a few years ago, not long after having finished a three-volume book series. Volume one, Speaking Parables. Volume two, Speaking Conflict. And the third volume, Speaking Jesus. In the volume, Speaking Conflict, David pinpointed 18 stories of conflict between Jesus and his contemporaries in the Gospel of Luke. Five of the 18 are unique to Luke's Gospel. Today's Gospel is one of Buttrick's stories of conflict. Even though David did not have much to say about it, he left the fans to say something about it. The conflict revolves around an interpretation of what is allowable on the Sabbath. To refresh our memories, Sabbath restrictions were originally intended that workers and farm animals be given a day of rest once every seven days. This was just good common sense in an agricultural society. It was a concern for the well-being of the workers and the animals. But it was also a benefit to the economy. Animals lasted longer. Workers were able to work longer. Over the course of time, however, two things happened that modified the original intent of keeping the Sabbath. First, the day of rest was reinterpreted and reshaped into a religious obligation. And secondly, once it was reinterpreted and its meaning expanded, there arose a multitude of exceptions to it. And of course, once that happened, it produced a division in society between those who maintained a strict understanding, the strict constructionists, and those of a freer interpretation. So the commandment that was meant to unify the people actually became an instrument of dividing them. Now back to the story. Like many of the other stories in Luke, this gospel story of conflict has an obvious and a not so obvious kick to it. The obvious is that Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath who had been afflicted, and this healing takes place on the Sabbath. This is not the first time in Luke that Luke has mentioned that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Earlier in the gospel, at another Sabbath healing, Luke says that the religious authorities, in response to the Sabbath breaking, began to plot what to do with him. And of course, we know the plot came to fulfillment on Good Friday. 
That is what I call the obvious. Then there's what I call the not-so-obvious, and this involves the tension between Jesus and the leader of the synagogue. Underlying the conflicted relationship, there is the question of power and authority. Jesus uses his power or his authority to liberate, to set a daughter of Abraham free from her affliction. This power is compassionate, caring, freeing, loving, and it asks absolutely nothing of the woman in return. It is a power for her. It is not a power over her. In contrast to Jesus' power, we see the power of the leader. This is a power of self-interest, of maintaining the status quo, of having power over Jesus and the woman. And there may even be a bit of self-preservation as the leader sees himself as a threat to the status quo. Now, we should not be surprised by all of this. After all, the use of misuse of power did not die out in the first century. Use of power and misuse of power is still very much with us from the southern border to the halls of government, from the Straits of Hormuz to the South China Sea, from trade agreements to trade wars, power and its companion, control, are the front page news of our day. I want to take something from our presiding bishop. It would seem from what I have read of him that one of Bishop Michael Carey's favorite phrases is that God has a dream. Evan mentioned this in his sermon last Sunday. God has a dream for all the folks on this planet. Jesus comes to show us what the dream is all about. So I think it's appropriate as disciples of Jesus that we ask how power is being used in our day. Is it being used to reconcile or to separate, to build up or to tear down, to encourage or discourage? Is it being used to foster love or to perpetuate hatred? Is it affirming or is it diminishing? Is our use of power for others or is it power over others? If you want to know how the Episcopal Church is living out God's dream, <clears throat> might I suggest that we pay extra special attention to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest what we say in our prayers. Because how we pray reflects what we believe. This is especially revealing in the colics for each Sunday of the year. Listen again to the opening of today's collect. Grant, O oh merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name. God's power does not divide 
God's power goes against the grain of religious, economic, and political convictions, no matter how sincere they might be. God's power and God's dream is being known, experienced. When the tears are wiped away from the faces of children who are reunited with their parents on the southern border. When Paul's manifesto becomes our rallying cry that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And when the words of the prophet, every valley shall be filled, every mountain made low, and the crooked made straight, becomes more than a piece of music to our ears, but part of our ongoing witness to God's dream for all of us. The obvious and the not so obvious. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth broke the religious regulations, regulations that at times could restrict love, care, compassion, freedom. And that same Jesus directs us to be aware of how power can be used and is being used to negate God's dream for all of humanity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.